So you sort of, anyone ever heard of an audible? It's a football term, you know, that uh, oftentimes is used at the line when, when Rogers looks over, you know, the Cowboys and, you know, he sees the depleted defense, you know, there and... <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, John, John, all right, and uh, he sees something that he wants to exploit or do something with, and, and he calls a different play on the line of scrimmage, right? And so that's kind of what we're doing today. I'm call, calling an audible, um, so I had to shove all that aside that I had worked so hard on um, and say, okay, God, what do you want? And so, you know, last week, if you remember correctly, I was just finishing up uh, the 10 biblical mandates or protocols to have an effective prayer life. And I got to point number nine, and it was stay out of fear, right? Um, in terms of our conversation with the Lord and prayer and how to have an effective prayer life and what the Bible has to say about our prayer life and so on and so forth. And point number nine was just simply stay out of fear. Why? Because fear short circuits your faith. Fear and faith can't coexist together. And the enemy wants you to buy into the spirit of fear so that he can minimize and marginalize our lives. And so then, then when I did the response time piece and said, how many of you deal with sort of an unhealthy fear that tries to control your life, it was almost, you know, the, the whole group raised their hand. It was, I mean, some of you didn't, but, but it was a lot. And so I thought, you know what, I just, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to go deeper here. You need to take a pause, take a chill pill here, and, and go deeper on that subject. And so um, today, I just want to go deeper with respect to th some of the specifics of that fear piece. Um, did you know that the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, look what it says. God says he will confirm his word. Everyone say his word. His word, his word with signs following. In other words, whatever is taught will be caught. Okay? So if, if there's something that's lacking, you know, God said, I'll confirm my word with signs following, but you need to preach my word. Say. And so, um, whatever, will, whatever is taught will be caught or confirmed. And I just want you to open your Bibles today to Joshua chapter 1. If you have your paper Bible, that'd be great. Your apps, your phone, you know, your tablets, whatever you have today. Um, open up to Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to read a few verses here to sort of set the stage for the message today. Now, I might go just a few minutes long today because there is no Packer game right now, right? Right? Yeah, I mean, we, we can get away with that, right? It's <laughs> anyway, I might just go a few minutes long. We'll see. Uh, but I just want to take my time, and I really feel like there's going to be an impartation of God's Word today in a powerful way. Amen? So let's just check out this passage in the Old Testament. Now, Moses had just died. Let me set the stage here. Joshua, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, Joshua, you know, was, had been, you know, going through this, this, you know, grieving season for 30 days. He was weeping and wailing and all that sort of stuff. Joshua had gone through that mourning season. Joshua, or Moses, his leader, had just died. And so the first verse in Joshua 1, verse 1, after the death of Moses, so once again, he had just died, 
Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is what? It's dead. It's dead. And that always perplexed me. I thought, why, why did God have to come on the scene and tell him? I mean, that's sort of redundant, right? And I thought, you know, that's interesting. But how many you know sometimes we need to be reminded of things in our lives that we're letting sort of take over and sort of crouch things out or, or move things around or push things back that God isn't pleased with. And so Moses, my servant is dead, okay? Now then, in other words, that's a fact. There's nothing you can do about it. But, okay, but now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm going to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place on where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Remember the promise of the promised land, okay? Uh, so he goes on and says, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates and the Hittite country and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. In other words, these are your boundaries, okay? This is, this is where I'm going to give you. And no one, verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will never what? Leave never leave you. Come on. Amen? Amen? Talk about a great verse to sort of meditate on today. And I will never leave you or what? Forsake. forsake you. Wow. That's an incredible promise. And then he starts this, you know, sort of, this is, this is what you have to do in order to enter the promised land. This is what you must do in order to inherit the land. Okay? So he goes in verse, verse 6. Be strong in the Lord, or excuse me, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, what? Help me now. What? Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be, what's that word? Successful wherever you go. Now notice, there's some things you need to do to be successful, right? Wherever you go. God does his part, we do ours, right? Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do, everyone say do. do. You may want to underline that or highlight that word do so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, everyone say then. Then, then in other words, something's contingent here. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Can I get a good amen? amen? Can I see the hands of those that want to be prosperous and successful? That's what the Scripture says. I'm not talking about a prosperity doctrine. I'm talking about the Word of God, right? That God wants you to be blessed and prosperous and successful. And there's the clincher, the caveat, verse 9. Have I not suggested to you? <laughs> Have I not given you with a wink and a nod? No, it didn't say that, did it? It says, have not what commanded you? I mean, you know, it's not a suggestion. A command is an order, right? Have I not given you an order? Have I not commanded you? Have I not told you how important this is? Have I not been so blooming repetitive because of your thick skulls, <laughs> you know, to, to try and teach you how important this is, have I not? Have I not commanded you, be strong 
and courageous. And then he says, the two words that I'm going to focus in on today, do not be afraid or, and do not what? Be discouraged. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Father, I just pray that you would open up this word today, and that life would come, challenge would come. The entrance of your word gives life and light. And so we trust you today to just break some things open in people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, three times, I want to say three times. Three times, God says to Josh, be strong and courageous. As a matter of fact, the first time he says, be strong and courageous. And then the second time he says, be strong and what? Very, Very courageous. And then he, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. He was saying, Josh, if you want all these people you know, that you're leading to enter the promised land, then, you know, that flows with milk and honey that's full of abundance. You've read the story. You know what I'm talking about. When they spent, sent spies into the land and they saw these grapes that were as big as pomegranates and so on. You can read the story. He said, Josh, if you want yourself and these people to enter that promised land, you must. Everyone say must. must. You must be strong and courageous. Now, now, this was not an option. This was what I call a non-negotiable. This was a non-negotiable. Because you cannot be strong and courageous if you are afraid and discouraged. It just won't happen. And God was trying to get them to see that at the very end in verse 9. You cannot be strong and courageous if you are afraid and discouraged. See, in this passage, I think that God gives us the two most difficult challenges that all of us face in life, fear and discouragement. Fear and discouragement. As a matter of fact, I like to say fear and discouragement are the two power twins the enemy likes to use to destroy God's kids. That's, those are the power twins. It's fear and discouragement, and they go hand in hand. They, they work together quite well, I might add. And so today I want to give you some information, and I want to allow the Holy Spirit to ride on the, sh- on the stuff I'm going to share today to actually help you overcome. That's the part of going deeper, overcome fear and discouragement. Anybody up for that? Yeah. Anybody up for that? Yeah, okay. So fear and, and discouragement will keep you out of the promised land. Did you know that, that every single one of you sitting here today have a promised land <laughs> for your life? Really? I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a land that flows with milk and honey. There's a land that is blessed by God. There's a land that God wants you to inherit. There is a land for you. This church has, has a, a land, a promised land, if you will, that that God wants all of us to experience, amen? But there are things that can keep us out, just like there was things that could keep out the children of Israel. And, and, and fear and discouragement will keep you out of the promised land. 
And that's why, that's why the enemy uses it so often, to keep us out. See, fear and discouragement is a very real thing, so let's talk about it. Let's, 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 let's break the strongholds for a lack of knowledge, right? Let's break them, amen? So, so how do you do it? How do you break fear? How do you overcome fear? Fear, let me give you four things. Fear is overcome by first knowing the truth. By first knowing the truth. See, fear feeds on half-truths. You know what I'm talking about. And the half-truth it feeds on is generally the negative half. And I, I know a person who used to be deathly afraid of bats. Anyone, anyway, anyone feared of bats? That's the way Poldark says it. You know, I don't know if you've ever watched the series Poldark. Great show, by the way. Um, but they use the word afeared instead of afraid. <laughs> but this person was deathly afraid of bats. And, you know, and so that, the person heard my message and, you know, decided to find out more about that subject. So he started reading all kinds of things about bats and found out that they're nothing to be afraid of. Right? There's no reason to be afraid of them. As a matter of fact, they, they serve a great purpose. More than just scaring the heck out of you, <laughs> you know, when you encounter one. <laughs> right? And so, so he, he obviously, knowing the truth about bats, gave him confidence to not be afraid anymore. And you can take that principle and translate it into any area of life. See, the Bible says, you, check this out, John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. I don't think you have verse 31 in your notes. But it says this. Here's the setup piece, verse 31. It says, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him. Now, who's talking here? Who, who's talking here? No, it says right there in the first part, Jesus right? Jesus, so Jesus is talking, right? Jesus was saying to those who had believed him, if you, say those next four words with me out loud, real, real loud, continue in my word. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the, and the will set you free. Did you get it? Did you get it? See, if you, the, the setup piece is so in, in, important, it's critical. If you continue in my word, not just the truth will set you free. See, the truth is tied to his word. Did you hear me? So the setup piece, a lot of people leave off verse 31. And they just quote, you know, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. <laughs> no, if you can see, you're going to know the truth from his word. Come on. Come on, Jordan, you know what I'm talking about? The truth is in his word. That's right. See, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free if you continue in my word, see? So here's the deal. Knowledge dispels fear. Just like the bat story. Knowledge dispels fear, and as you get in God's word and continue in God's word, God will reveal by revelation, knowledge, the truth, and the truth, see, knowledge will dispel fear in your life. I cannot tell you how many times that's happened to me, 
or an area of my life I was in fear of, and I, as I'm studying the Word of God, it came alive. The Holy Spirit quickened it to me and made it real. And that truth that God revealed to me just, just totally dispelled the fear, right? See, only the truth you know will set you free. That's why it's so important to get in God's Word. Because only the truth you know will set you free. It's not just a general term, you know, the truth will set you free. It's the Word, only the words you know will bring freedom to your life. Amen? So, for that's the first part is just, you know, know the truth. Second, how do you overcome fear? Fear is overcome by putting your trust and your confidence in God. Your trust and your confidence in God. Check this verse out in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with just a little teeny part of your heart. Is that what it says? No, it says trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That means, did you know this? That means that you can trust in the Lord with part of your heart. Right? You can. God doesn't want you to. But if you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, he'll make your path straight. Trust. Trust. Listen, whatever you're afraid of, you don't have to be afraid. Did you hear me? Whatever you're in fear of, you don't have to be in fear of. Why? Because you can put your trust and confidence in him. Right? Trust is a big, big word. Trust is huge. You know, not just believing, but trusting. A lot of people believe, but they don't really trust God. You know, it's the guy with the Niagara Falls thing. You've heard me tell the story. Back in the early 1900s, and he was doing a tightrope walk across the Niagara Falls and, you know, grabbed a wheelbarrow, you know, tightrope walker, and grabbed a wheelbarrow and did it. And then next thing, he, you know, grabbed a person. He said, how many of you believe I can do it again? Everybody said, I believe, I believe. You know, can I do it again? Yeah, I believe, I believe. And so he got this wheelbarrow and he said, can I get a volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> and not one person raised their hand. Nobody said, I believe anymore. <laughs> Why? Because it's easy to believe. It's difficult to trust. See? And so, so that kind of gives you the idea. But you can trust by putting your life in his hands and trusting God to overcome all of the fear and anxiety that you're faced with right now. So you have to put your trust and your confidence. Look at this next verse in Proverbs. Proverbs um, chapter, where is it? Chapter 3, verse 25, 26. Check this out. Have no fear of sudden disaster. Once again, we're talking about fear here. Have no fear of sudden disaster. Or ruin that, that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your, come on now, your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Trust and confidence. That's how you overcome fear, putting your trust and confidence in God. He'll be your confidence. Amen? Third, check this out. The third way to overcome fear is speaking God's word out of your mouth. Did you know that's the most powerful thing you can do? Yes. Is speak God's word out of your mouth. Don't just think God's word. Speak God's word. The most powerful thing you can do is speak God's word out of your mouth. It's a two-edged sword. 
It's the sword of the Spirit. Come on, somebody. Amen? The sword of the Spirit. And God wants you to learn how to speak what God says about you. Speak God's Word out of your heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. See, we know that Jesus overcame the devil when he was being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. He kept saying one word or two words, what? It, three words. (laughs) It is written. (laughs) Right? Do you say that? It is written. In other words, forget what I say. This is what God says. Did you hear me? See, there's where the power is. We, and we take it for granted. We just, we say what we say. No, say what God says. Speak God's word to your problem. Amen? Speak it out loud. Speak it with authority. Speak to the mountains of fear in your life. And the fourth way we overcome fear is by facing our fear head on. Facing our fears head on. Listen, don't wait for things to change on their own. Did you know that fear does not go away on its own? This is a definition of insanity, right? Where we do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Do you know fear is not going away by, by itself? Whatever you're afraid of, whatever fears you're dealing with, whatever you raised your hand about last week, if you were here, it's not going away by its own. Just because you happen to attend Metro Believers Church, well, it's just going to go away on its own. No, it's not. It's going to go away when you stand your ground and you take your rightful place as a child of the king. Come on. Somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you. Take your place as a child of the king. Fear doesn't go away on its own. Take authority over God, over the enemy that that the Holy Spirit gave you. Look, look, Look at Luke chapter 10 verse 19. I've given you authority. Do you know you have power of attorney? Anyone ever heard of that, those phrases before? What does it mean? That you can act on behalf of someone with the same power. Amen. You've been given power of authority. You've been, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. See, it was back then he was just trying to find things that was relatable to his, his kids, right? That, and those, he was probably walking in the forest and there was a snake and a scorpion. <laughs> Aren't you glad we don't have to deal with that right now? And so he was saying, I, I, I've given you power and authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and to overcome a couple of things maybe in life, right? A couple of things, right? No, what did he say? To overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Now, what are you going to believe? Like the video said, who, what voice are you listening to? Are you going to listen to your own goofy voice that has been trained 
for what, how many of your years, you know, not being renewed to the Word of God, your mind being renewed? Or are you going to listen to what God says? Are you going to take this to the bank? Are you going to say, God, you said. Come on, remember last week? Put God in remembrance of his promises. You said, you said, you said, remind God what he said. That blesses his heart. Why? Because you took the time to read it and know it. It was important enough for you to get to know God's word. And that blesses anybody. When I share something and later on you, you remind me of what I said, it touches my heart. It means you were listening. And that's what it means to God when you put him in remembrance of his word. When you say, God said, God said, God said, right? And you do what God said. It's giving me, God, you said that you've given me power to overcome all, all of the, the power of the enemy. And nothing's going to hurt me. Listen, whatever you're afraid to do, whatever has held you back, fill yourself up with the Word of God and trust Him and then go do it. Whatever it is. Several years back, I had a gal in my church that was afraid of heights. And she heard me preach a message on this and decided, I'm not going to be afraid of heights. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to face it head on. So she filled herself up with the Word of God. And she went parasailing. Yeah! She puked all the way. But she overcame her fear of heights. Sometimes you have to do it afraid. Did you hear me? Because don't wait for fear to go away on its own. You have to sometimes push it through and do it afraid and say, there, devil. See, and that'll, that'll start to break the stronghold. Everyone say stronghold. stronghold. Start to break the stronghold in your life as you begin to put God's word in motion regardless of how you feel. Amen? So let's, let's just now shift gears a little bit and let's deal with this thing called discouragement. That's the fear piece. But remember, fear and discouragement will keep you out of the promised land, right? Let's deal with this thing called discouragement. See, if discouragement is not overcome, it can be a predictor of things to come in your life. It can actually sabotage your future. Think about that. Discouragement. It can lead to all sorts of unhealthy things. It steals your courage. Discourage. It steals your courage that you need to press in and press on, it is a dream killer. Everyone say dream killer. See, see, discouragement's a dream killer. And, and the enemy knows that. He knows this fear and discouragement thing go hand in hand. And if he can get you into fear and discouragement, then he's got you. He's marginalized you. He'll put you on a shelf, and that'll be it for you until you're on the other side of grass. See, it steals our courage that we need to press in and press on, and it's a dream stealer. It destroys your energy and passion to walk in victory every day of your life, say. It's one of the enemy's greatest tools. It's one of the biggest obstacles that we face in life. 
Discouragement. You know what I'm talking about. That's why the enemy uses it so often. Discouragement is designed to get you to back off and back down from the enemy so he can have his way in your life. The psalmist was discouraged from time to time, and he had to deal with it. And this is what he says in Psalm 43 and verse 5. Why so downcast, O my soul? Everyone say soul. So circle that word or highlight it in your, in your uh, apps, digital book, okay? Why so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Then he starts to talk to himself. So he asks the question. Anyone ever asked that question? Why are you so downcast? Why are you so discouraged? Then he, then he answers it based on his relationship with God. Did you catch that? That's what we have to do. You answer those questions based on your relationship with God. Why so downcast? Why are you so depressed? Why are, why are you so discouraged? Oh my, what? Soul. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he turns it and he said, I'm going to put my hope in God. I'm going to even praise him. Did you know that that'll break the back of discouragement when you just start praising God? Yeah, try it. Even in the midst of your circumstances where you feel, everyone say feel, discouraged, you start to do something deep within and you start to speak and sing God's praises. It's a game changer. See, God, God gives us insight in the Bible to help us understand the problems we have and how to overcome those problems. Aren't you glad for the word? For example, when Jesus, remember Jesus, he was arrested and put to death and his disciples freaked, which we would too, right? His disciples freaked and, and you know, they were overcome with discouragement, as a matter of fact. You can read the Bible, you'll see for yourself. As a matter of fact, one of, one of his most vocal followers, his name was what? Peter. Peter denied him, deserted him, and ran for his life like a little kid. <laughs> he was discouraged, right? He was discouraged. So today I want to give you three aspects of discouragement, and that won't take forever, but like I said, it might go a little long. So first, let's consider this thing called discouragement. Let's, let's talk about the cause. The cause of discouragement. How, how, how do we get discouraged? What's the cause? How many, anyone want to know? Oh, I guess not. We'll just move on to the next point. <laughs> you got to work with me. <laughs> work with me. So, let me give you the answer to that. Discouragement is met or caused by unmet expectations. Just think about it. That's how discouragement occurs. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, right? You had a certain expectation, it wasn't met, and we get discouraged. We thought it was going to be this way, right? And it turned out that it wasn't that way. We get discouraged. 
You know, certain promises were made, they weren't kept, we get discouraged. Unmet expectations. Discouragement is caused by unmet expectations. When we don't meet them ourselves, or when life doesn't meet them, or when others doesn't meet them, or when God doesn't meet them, we get discouraged. Discouragement sets in. See, life isn't always predictable. Do you hear me? How many of you figured that out by now? <laughs> life isn't always predictable. Things are subject to change, and sometimes things don't turn out the way we had hoped or expected, and when they don't, we get discouraged. See, parents sometimes get discouraged, and you know, many moms and dads do everything they know, yet in spite of all of their efforts, their children just don't turn out the way they expected, and discouragement can set in. Pastors aren't exempt from discouragement, just so you know. Sometimes it seems like all of our efforts have little or no impact on people's lives or the life of the church. Man, you look out, you go, man, I, I pray, I study, I preach, I visit, I plan, but it doesn't seem to make any difference. What the heck? You know? Come on, just being real, keeping it real. See, real people living in a real world, ser serving a real God, that includes your pastor. All right, FYI. Yeah. In fact, Promise Keepers several years back sur surveyed all the pastors that were there, and they found out that 90% of the pastors were struggling with discouragement. I deal with that all the time around the city and people around the country that I interface with, and I hear that all the time. Pastors are struggling with discouragement. 15 past 1,500 pastors are leaving the ministry every month. Wow, that's a lot. That's 18,000 a year because of discouragement. Peter, Peter experienced discouragement when Jesus died. He was discouraged because the death of Christ destroyed his expectation of how Jesus should establish his earthly kingdom. In other words, he had a certain thing in mind that changed discouragement came. See? Peter, Peter was also discouraged because during the process, he failed in his own expectations. You know, he said, I'll follow you. I won't deny you. He did all that. And then he denies him. So he had a certain expectation for himself. And when, when that didn't happen, he didn't live up to it, he got discouraged. So that's, that's sort of the cause. Second, second, let's look at the characteristics of a discouraged person. Let's kind of pull the covers back and see if maybe some of these characteristics fit you today. See, when when we become discouraged, we tend to follow certain predictable behavior patterns in an attempt to overcome discouragement. So first of all, we compromise. We compromise. Remember, whatever you compromise to gain, you will ultimately lose. Just remember that, okay? So when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Peter drew his sword and the high priest, and he cut off the man's ear. In doing so, he compromised the teachings of Christ. The whole idea of the nonviolence, non-resistance thing that Jesus taught. See, when we become discouraged, we cling to unrealistic expectations and we'll do anything to make it happen, even if we have to sell our standards to do it. Second, the second characteristics characteristic is we quit. We quit. 
So we compromise, we quit, because discouragement leads to despair. And in our despair, oftentimes we quit. The Bible says that Peter experienced this discouragement after he denied knowing Jesus. And the Bible says in Luke twenty-two sixty-two, Peter went outside and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. Peter started feeling, everyone say feeling, because that's that member in the soul, why so downcast, oh my what? That's where discouragement lives in our soul. I'll talk more about that in a minute, okay? So Peter, Peter started feeling that all hope was lost and nothing would ever change. So he quit. He quit. Peter experienced it. I've experienced it. Chances are you have too. Feeling like, why? Why go on? Third, the third characteristic is we withdraw. We pull back. The disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. <laughs> they withdrew. They were in hiding, right? And here's what I found out. Check this out. When, when a person is in the depths of despair, they stay at home. They become uninvolved. They withdraw into a shell of self-pity. And that may be some of you right now. You had a hard time even coming to church this morning because you're in that discouragement piece. You're in that discouragement phase. And you'd rather just stay home. You'd rather not go anywhere. I know how that feels. I experienced that a few years back when I had a serious depression that I was going through. And I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. Even though in my heart I loved you guys like crazy, but I just didn't want to see you. <laughs> I put up with my wife because we're married. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. Some of you have been there. And, and I, I know firsthand how that feels. We withdraw. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants you to pull back. He wants you to get uninvolved. He wants you to withdraw so he can have his way in your life. I've watched a ton of passionate Christians get discouraged and go into hiding or withdraw. See, it's the emotional side of discouragement. And we have to understand we are all made up of three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. Look at this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Here's where it calls it out, and it, and it describes the creation of the man-child. It describes the creation of who we are as individuals in Christ. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole what? Say it with me. Spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, you are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. Did you hear me? You are, the real you, is a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in what I call your earth suit. Your body. See, your body is temporary. The Bible tells us our soul and spirit will live forever. 
Did you hear me? And see, see, you have to understand how man is created. If you don't, you, you know, you just get all this stuff on you and you can't figure it out. What's going on here? And so your soul, your soul, the enemy discourages you in your soul area. Did you hear me? It doesn't discourage you in your spirit. Your spirit is alive unto God. Your spirit is united with God. Your spirit is the one that says, don't do that. Don't feel that. Don't act like that. Don't buy into that. Your spirit. You know what I'm talking about. It's this little argument going on on the inside of you. (laughs) You like that little jig? That was just for you. (laughs) Yes, sir, buddy. So yeah, your spirit, I am a spirit, that's the real me. I have a soul that the Bible says should be renewed, John. We can't just let it be like it is, or we're in trouble. That's our soul. And then we live in this thing called the earth suit, our body, that's going to one day die and be buried, be on the other side of grass, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, uh, and you know, or get torched or something, you know, whatever you're going to do when you die, right? Whatever that looks like, you're going to die and your earth suit's going to disappear and that won't be the end of you. Amen? Amen. That won't be the end of you. You don't cease to exist when you die. (laughs) Take that, devil. (laughs) Amen? Amen. You don't cease to exist when you die. You just simply relocate. (laughs) Vicki and I just moved to another house. We didn't. People can drive by our house all all, all they want and say, Oh, Glenn and Vicki. Oh, they're gone. No, I'm not. No, we're not. We're still here just alive and well. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? They may think we're gone, but we're not gone. (laughs) We just simply moved to another address. And that's what happens when you die. Amen? Amen? So let's talk about the soul for just a minute. See, your soul, the Bible teaches us, is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. You may want to write this down. I didn't have room for your, this in your notes. This will change your life, just so you know. Your soul is made up of your mind, or you can take a picture like she is of the screen, just so you can read it later and write it down. That's what we seem to do these days, is take pictures with our phones. It's cool. Man, how techni- technology has changed, right? And helped. Grab stuff. See, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind... Your mind is comprised of your thought life, okay? All the stuff that goes through there, it's part of your soul. Your will is comprised of your choices, the things you decide to do, right? And your emotions is comprised of your feelings. So, why so downcast, oh my soul... That, my friend, is where discouragement lives, our soul, our emotions, say. God wants us as his kids to reign in by the renewing of our mind to the will of God, reign in our emotions 
to make sure our emotions are not leading us, but our spirit is. Come on. Somebody say amen to that. See, the whole idea of our soul and the discouragement is absolutely critical. And the fourth thing, the fourth characteristic is we escape. We escape. So, we look for something to alleviate the pain of discouragement and despair. For Peter, it was fishing. I'm going back to work. Ah, fooey on this. It's, it's, you know, in the 12-step the program, you know, it's called uh, medicating. <laughs> right? So we escape. We medicate. We look for something to alleviate the pain of discouragement and despair. Peter went fishing. How do you, how do you escape the pain of discouragement? Some, some throw themselves into work. Some chase a hobby or overeat. Some watch too much TV. Some go shopping. Some make themselves numb with alcohol. There's a lot of ways that you can try your best to cover up the pain of discouragement. The problem is that after all of the things we do, we return to our problems, and oftentimes they're worse. They don't do anything. None of these options, compromising, quitting, withdrawing, or escaping, solve the problem. We only get, we only get, we only end up cynical, skeptical, bitter, and like Peter at rock bottom. So what's the answer? What do we do with this thing called discouragement? Let's talk about next the cure. The cure of discouragement. The cure for discouragement is on this next slide. Consider the empty tomb. Did you hear me? Consider the empty tomb. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope. Make your feelings rejoice in the God of your salvation. Put your hope in God. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and for me, and the the tomb is empty. It's, it's It's a sermon in and of itself. The very fact that the tomb is empty. John 20, verse 6 is, Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, remember him? He was the one that was depressed. Arrived and went into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there. I don't even have to tell you what else happened. I mean, just think about you going to the cemetery to see your loved one who had passed away, and the dirt's off of him, and the coffin's open, the casket's open, and nobody's there. Good preaching. (laughs) Think about it. What would you do? What happened? The tomb is empty. He's not there anymore. See, when Peter saw evidence that Jesus had been resurrected, he began to have a glimmer of what? See, hope, hope, hope. It all starts with hope. If you're going to get out of discouragement, overcome discouragement, you have to have hope. Then you have to take that hope and give it eyeballs and have faith. See, faith gives hope a reality. Faith is the substance, according to Hebrews 1, our 11, 1, 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Say, hope. When Peter, when Peter saw evidence that Jesus had been resurrected, he began to have that little glimmer of hope. The empty tomb sparked hope. It tells us that God has power to work in our lives today. Amen? Amen. Just think about the empty tomb the rest of the day. It'll change your day. The empty tomb reminds us that no situation is helpless or hopeless. Did you hear me? The empty tomb reminds us that no situation, fill in the blank, is hopeless or helpless. I don't know what your discouragement is today or your source of discouragement, but whatever it is, whatever it is, remember the resurrection. Remember the resurrection. Consider the empty tomb. It's proof that Jesus Christ has the power over sin, death, and every other challenge that you and I might face. Because of the empty tomb, we can expect the unexpected. Come on. We can expect the unexpected. John chapter 21 and verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. That would freak us out. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. I mean, last they knew, he was dead. And all of a sudden, he's standing on the shore saying, hey, I got some bacon and eggs for you guys. Some ash browns. Come on. What else do you like for breakfast? Some biscuits? Gravy? Whoo! That's what he said. And they're like, last we know you were somewhere else. Ah. Listen, you never know when Jesus will surprise you with a miracle. Come on, somebody. You never know when Jesus will surprise you with a miracle. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. God throughout the Bible did so many cool miracles. You can read about them. Every single situation, people faced the depths of discouragement, and they each, each experienced an unexpected encounter with the power of God. Listen, the tomb is empty, right? Maybe it's your job today that you're discouraged about. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's some friendships that have gone south and you, it, it just breaks your heart. Listen, the tomb is empty. God can do something in your life. There is miracles that still happen. Don't be discouraged. Why so downcast, oh my soul? No! Put your hope in God. Let's stand up. Man, I got so much more to say, but I better quit. Sorry. I know the Packers aren't camp, but the Cowboys are. Not two, three, one, whatever. Or the Vikings, I mean Kings. <laughs> listen, listen. God wants us to deal with this thing called fear and discouragement. He really does. And there is a way out. That's good news. It's a way out. We don't have to we don't have to be boxed up and locked up. We don't have to be completely beat up by the enemy. We have a choice to make. Amen? Amen? We have a choice to make. Deuteronomy 30 says, Today I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life! 
In other words, there's, there's choices out here. There's stuff out here. We have something to say about it. We have something to say about what we allow in our lives. Spirit, soul, and body. Because I am a what? I live in a... I'm sorry. Let's start that right over again. Because I am a... I have a... And I live in a... Come on. I'll never forget that. When you see things happen in your life, you'll see. When you start to figure this stuff out and think about it, meditate on it, you'll see different areas of your life and how your spirit's in operation, your soul, and your body. You want to change your soul, change your life, meditate on God's Word. Amen? Romans tells us that, right? That we change. We, we actually experience transformation by the renewing of our mind that we will prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many of you want to do that? Father, we love you today. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for breaking the strongholds of the enemy. Holy Spirit, knit this word together in our hearts. So that it's not just a bunch of words, but it's life and it's real. And we've captured it. And we're living it. We're living it. Just to live it, God. I just want to pray for all of us today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because I think we all have something going on with respect to this whole idea of fear and discouragement. Right now, I take authority over the spirit of fear spirit of discouragement over the lives of the people in this place. Everyone, those that are watching live stream, us, you said you've given us, God, you've said you've given us power over all the works of the enemy. Power to tread over fear and discouragement. Those are the snakes and scorpions today. And nothing will harm you. So right now, I take authority and I terminate the assignments that's been sent forth from hell on God's kids. Terminate. I terminate that assignment right now. Satan, you hear me? In Jesus' name, I break the back and the strongholds of fear and discouragement. God, I thank you for freedom. Thank you for the truth. As we continue in your word, we're your disciples, and we'll know that truth, and the truth will set us free. There's some truth that has been revealed here in this house today that is setting us free. It's the way it works. Thank you, God. That truth comes alive on the inside of us, and it sets us free. Free, 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 free. Everyone say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free indeed. Thank you, God. Thank you for your freedom in our place, in our house, in our hearts, in this house. In Jesus' name.